would, to Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. We're going to get into the Word this morning. And before we get into the Word, um, I want to express to you how important testimonies are <clears throat> here. And, and you know, we, we try to, like I said, we, we try to plan things out. And I, and I believe in that. I believe in preparation, rehearsal, and study, and prayer, and doing all we can. But there are some things that God will do that will, it, he's already prepared, so to speak. And so the reason I'm saying that is because what Ron just shared is a powerful testimony of what God can do for you. And I want to give you a, a positive, encouraging note, because this sermon is a, is a sermon that is either going to make you really think hard, or it's going to really, really make you think soft. I'll say that again. It's going to make you think really hard, or it's going to make you think really soft, because this is a sermon that some pastors don't want to preach. Some pastors uh, don't really have, they, they're, they're afraid to preach. And I even talked to God and I said, God, can I have a waiver? And the Lord's like, no waivers in my book. It's truth and the truth will set you free and you must preach the truth. So this morning, I want to just say this in advance. I love you. <laughs> and I'm not out to, to uh, beat you up and put you down and have you crawl out of here spiritually bloodied. I want you to crawl out of here encouraged and benevolent in the Lord. In other words, let God bless you and help you and let the word penetrate your spirit. Let the word penetrate you to the point where it causes you to think and to know and to do. We call that in Bible college many years ago. I was taught that you feel something, you, you, you know it, you feel it, and then you do it. So you know it in your head, you feel it in your heart, and then you do it with your arms and your legs. Amen. And so that's what we want to do this morning. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. Praise the Lord. Father, as we enter into your word one last time, Lord, I, at the end of this, beginning of this service, and it's making a change, I pray that this word will penetrate people's spirits. We will walk out of here with an enlightened attitude, Lord, that we want to work at doing well, but Lord, we don't have to make it such a duty. It can become a delight if we'll just love in you and let you love on us. And I pray that we can do this according to your will and your purpose. And everyone said together, praise God. And amen means let it be so. Praise God and hallelujah. <laughs> now that you're in your Bibles, <clears throat> a recent survey, and I double-checked these surveys to make sure that they were good. And they come from a reasonable source. Barna is one of them. Christian researchers, that, that's all they do is they do research and they survey and in fact, I filled out a survey just recently that was sent to me. I'm not exactly one of those. Are you one of those people that you, you're like, I don't want to do this? Or, or you start in it and you're like, man, when's this going to end? And, but you know, without those surveys, we wouldn't be able to have statisticians to be able to tell us where the trend, what, what are we doing in our country? How are people thinking? And I'm not into stats or st statistics all the time. I said that word without stumbling. Praise God. And, um, but we need to know what's going on. And so I want to give you a couple of statistics this morning. And one of them is a recent survey of Americans reported just recently, last year, reported that 66% of us in the United States believe it's not wrong to tell lies. 66%. That's almost 7 out of 10 people. 6.6 .6 people. So if you want to round it off, you know, like they do in the bank... It's uh, over the five mark, so that goes to the next number. So seven out of ten people believe it's okay to tell a lie here and there. That's just for your FYI, your information. 31% agreed with the statement, honesty is the best policy. So three out of ten believe honesty is the best policy, but seven out of ten think it's okay to tell a lie every once in a while. Hmm. It doesn't seem to line up. So the seven tell the lie and the 3% that are left over to get up to 10. Is that how it works? I don't know. But it's just an interesting fact. So what is lying? Lying is defined as this. It's a false statement made with deliberate intent to deceive. An intentional untruth and a falsehood. All of us in this room have told lies. I have. And I've had to repent. And I didn't even realize it. There was times when I was younger and I told them. 
and there was times I told him when I was fearful, and there was times where I told him under pressure. We're going to talk about that this morning. Because if you are truly wanting to serve the Lord, God will help you to tell the truth even when it hurts. God will help you to take responsibility for your own actions even when it incriminates you because God will bless you in the end. God will make sure that the light comes forth. And you're saying, well, pastor, you just don't know. No, I may not know, but God does know. I have been in that road. Many of you have too. Or you've been in a situation where they just don't get it and you want to defend yourself. And so you want to just bring out all these facts and something that on a side note, that kind of cracked me up was my wife sent me this. Um, I don't know if there was a double message in there. I think it was. Well, she sent me a message regarding marriage uh, ministry. And it shows this man, when a man and a wife get ready to have an argument. Now, nobody in here fights, so this is not applying to you, okay? And, and, and the man brings out the canon, and he has all the facts and the reasoning and the logic loaded up in it. Facts, reasoning, and logic. I mean, he's loading this thing up. And the woman, of course, with her emotions, starts stacking up the castle as high as she can get it and as thick as she can get it. And the man starts launching his cannon. Facts, reasons, and logic. And he's trying to break through to get to her heart. And she just keeps stacking the bricks. And the more logic and the more reason that he loads in his cannon and facts, the thicker and the higher the emotional wall gets. And he just can't seem to break through. Have you lived that kind of a moment? Nobody in here has lived that moment. And the man is frantically loading and shooting and loading and shooting, thinking if I can just reason with her and show her the reality of the facts. And then the cartoon kind of goes further on, and it, and it shows the man bending on one knee, offering a gift, and says, if you will appeal to her heart, the walls will come down, but all the reason and logic and facts will never break through. And I thought, wow, how true that is when Jesus Christ gets to our spirit. And gets to our heart. Because every one of us in this room have had moments where we have fallen short. Or we felt like we're not worthy. Or we felt like we're not good enough. And the Lord simply takes all the facts and puts his love within us. And reaches to us and holds us with his hand. And loves us. And that's really truly what we all need. Amen. And does he break down the walls of your heart? Yes, he does. I laughed when I saw that because I thought it was kind of funny. But I, I said all that to say this. Sometimes if you're not careful, you'll lie to yourself. And you'll tell yourself that you're true and you're right, and you will believe in your own theology, so to speak, and you will surround yourself with facts and reasons and logic, and you'll tell yourself this is the path. And don't get me wrong, facts, reason, and logic are great things, but there's nothing more powerful than love. And the scripture tells us love conquers all. Amen. Love conquers conquers all. So with all of that said, if love conquers all, it it goes to show that love is a very strong emotion and love when it's properly used does conquer all the problems and all the shortcomings and all of the all of the miscorrections and miscommunications and how many of you have miscommunications? You know, it's an argument. <laughs> miscommunications do do uh, do you have miscommunications at work? Yes. Do you have miscommunications at home? Never. Do you have miscommunications with your friends at least once a week? Because we all think differently and men and women do think differently, whether you want to accept that or not. Because I'll just tell you a fact. I've had two sisters, two daughters, and a wife, and now I finally got a grandson and a son-in-law. And you know, that grandson and my son-in-law, they do think differently. They think like me. And so I'm figuring it out that all my facts and my logic and my reasoning is not going to work. I have to let my heart love to break down the untruth. And sometimes the untruth is coming from me, and that's hard to admit, but it happens. And sometimes the untruth is coming from them, or sometimes the untruth is coming from somewhere else. And we know where that comes from. Think about that, church. So... How do I, as a Christian, in a dishonest world, tell the truth? Think about that. Everyone deep down knows that they need to tell the truth and practice truth. Everybody deep down, Christian or not, knows right from wrong. God planted that in us, a conscience. 
He plants that in everybody. I mean, you see this all the time in the military. They, what, do they, what do they value so high in the military? Integrity, discipline, character, honesty. It's a code. And they train that in their leadership because that is valuable because when you're going to combat and you're going to die and put your life in another man's hand, you do not want a man that is not telling the truth. You want a man that you can rely on and the one that is going to tell you right from wrong based on his decisions and his experience and your life is in the balance. And if he is a liar, you're not going to follow him into a dangerous zone. Think about that. That's why truth is so valuable to them. Truth should be more valuable to us as Christians because you shall know the what? Truth and the truth will set you free from all the entanglements of the sinful, sick world that we live in. It's not such a bad world when you have Christ with you. You can enjoy the world. You can overlook those things because you see it through the colored glasses of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? So what are we to do? Truth is truth and a lie is a lie. <clears throat> so there's a yes and a no and a right and a wrong when it comes to telling the truth. There are no gray areas and there's no bending the rules. I heard a guy say that one time and my heart dropped. I was about to do a business deal with him and that little voice was telling me, don't do it. And he said, we're going to bend the rules a little bit here, but don't worry about it. You know, I got this covered. And I went ahead and I conducted business with him and it cost me in the end. And I should have listened and I don't mind sharing that with you because I'm the only one in this whole room that's done that. <laughs> I've made mistakes. I didn't listen to that voice that God was talking to me, and it cost me money. At least it didn't cost me something else. Amen. And that's long gone, and I've forgiven him and, and all of that. He didn't know the Lord, and I knew that, and I should have listened. But we've all been there, right? But if we, the more truth we practice, the more we're going to recognize untruth. Yes? Absolutely. So let's read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16 together. You, sh you should know this. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And it says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I'm going to read that one more time. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Who is our neighbor? Everybody. All of us in here and all of those that are around us and those that are in our workplaces, people that brush up against us closely are people who are our neighbor. Not just physically, but I'm talking about people that we work with, including April 15th in the IRS. I'll just leave that one like it is. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to fudge here and fudge there, but one day you just might get an audit and then they're going to find out, did you really got the receipts that you said that you have? And this, I'm going to leave that one lay where it is. We all laugh. And, uh, but it's no laughing matter because church, God knows. God sees and he, he records all. And I'm not saying we had to walk in fear, but you will have such a blessed life here on earth as well as in eternity if you'll practice truth and make it a part of your life. People will recognize it in your spirit. People will know. You may have weaknesses and shortcomings going on in your life, but if you'll just own up to them and, and know and say, this is an area of my life, people will respect you more. They really will. So why is telling the truth is what God asks us to do. That's why we do it. So again, how can you and I as born-again believers practice truth when we are surrounded by such an untruthful society? By knowing what a real lie is. That's how we can practice truth. In the banks, they teach the tellers and their workers about counterfeit, and they haven't spent a lot of time knowing what it looks like, knowing what it feels like, and all of those things, because then when they begin to get the real money, they'll be able to tell the difference. So, church, know what a lie really is. Now, all of us in here know what a basic lie is. It's not telling the truth. It's not saying what is right. But I want to go over some things with you today, if I may, on why people lie and what are the reasons for them because when you are faced practicing the truth you can give yourself many reasonable answers in telling a lie if it's convenient for you in other words you're going to get in trouble you're going to get really ashamed or embarrassed or it's going to cost you a lot of money or you're going to lose face or whatever the situation is your flesh along with that little voice 
that tries to tell you to do wrong, and you know what I'm talking about. The devil will come along and they'll give you, he'll give you all the reasons of why it's okay just to slant it a little bit because you're really going to blow it and God still loves you and, oh, he can just polish it and make it look so good. We call that a little white lie. Because if you tell one, you'll tell two, and if you tell two, you'll tell three, and three turns into six, and then it turns into 12, then it turns into 24, and that's all the math that I'm going to do. <laughs> so let's go over four of them, okay? Just, just as an introductory, let's go over four types of lies that are most commonly used by people in times of trouble and despair. The first one is the cruel lie. This is called the cruel lie. This is a kind of lie that is used to get revenge, and it is intentional, and it's destructive. This, the motive behind this lie is jealousy, revenge, hurt, anger, hate, and resentment. People are hurt and they resent and they're angry and so they will tell a cruel lie to get back at somebody but in the end, they think that they're going to feel better and they don't because the, the lie has with it all of that pressure and all of that despair that goes with sin. We call that shame and guilt. Shame is a big one and the devil shows up and puts the mirror in your face after he's talked you into doing it. Or sometimes you just talk yourself into doing it Because your flesh wants to get back. Nobody in here wants to get back to anybody. (laughs) Sometimes we feel that. Amen? This next commonly used lie is called the cowardly lie. The cowardly lie. This is told to escape consequences. To escape consequences. Kids will usually do this with cookie all over their face. And did you get into that cookie jar? No, I I didn't. I, I, I didn't. Not me. Because why? They don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to get busted. Right? And so they tell a lie. And so that is called the cowardly lie. And the reason is, is the motivation behind this is fear of getting busted or caught. Peer pressure is often involved. There's no courage to say no when you're older and maybe you're in school or, or you're an adult and you're with the guys or with the gals or whatever. And you just quite can't say no. You're a little scared of rejection. And so you say, well... Yeah, and you go along with it. And that's kind of what is a cowardly lie. It's hard to say no when you're under peer pressure. There is a big difference between I don't want to and I can't. Did you just hear that, church? I don't want to do that. I can't do that. And again, I love you this morning, and I'm preaching at myself because preachers get placed on the, on the chopping block too. We don't have to beat ourselves up. Just be aware of what a lie is. Be aware that we will be tempted. Be aware that our flesh will always want to give in. Be aware that the enemy is going to try to influence you. Be aware that there's unbelievers outside of this church that will try to influence you to get you to say things that you don't want to say. Not to try to trick you up because that's the life they're living because they have not yet given their heart to Christ. Did that just about cover it? (laughs) So when the peer pressure is on, it's hard sometimes to say what is right. But as you begin to practice what is right, God will give you the ability to say what is right. Amen? The third commonly used lie is called the conceited lie. The conceited lie. This is the lie you tell to impress people. Okay? You're trying to create an image of yourself. Everybody wants to feel good about themselves. I I, I mean, it's nice when people say you know, good things about you, and they pat you on the back, and they shake your hand, and we all like that, and we would be liars if we didn't admit that. Everybody likes to be encouraged and loved and accepted. Yes or no? Yes, they do. Everybody does. Everybody does. This is a lie you tell to impress people. You're trying to create an image of yourself. You're most commonly known as bragging and exaggerating. The motive behind this is insecurity. If you don't think that you're good enough, you have to puff yourself up a little bit. And people who often tell these project themselves as something they are not. A lot of times they won't do it on purpose. They do it out of a need to feel accepted. And you got to watch yourself, church, because we are complete in Christ. Can I just tell you a temptation of a conceited lie that all pastors face? I'll share it with you. It's about to happen to me in April. We're all going to get together with all the pastors, and they're going to say, how's your church going, Pastor Hampton? How, how many are you running? Oh, about 250 Pentecostal numbers. You know? 
Yeah, we got 250. Yeah, oh, did, I, did I mention that was counting all of the kids and their kids and their friends at school and, and you know, the, the uncles and aunts. And, and, and you know, we all want to look successful because it makes us feel good. And there's nothing wrong with feeling good. But if we have to tell a lie to do it, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. And I have to be honest with God all the time. And so, in fact, I had dinner with, with Pastor Kurt Riley from, from Monroe City. Somebody got over there. And we sit down and we talk, you know, and, and, and we were really honest with one another. We laugh and, and, and cry and talk. And, 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 and I sat him down and I just shared with him. And I said, brother, you know all the stuff that you're facing? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, I'm facing it too. I'm fa- we all have stuff. We all have things we face. Let's be honest with ourselves and with God. Amen? So that's one that we say out of insecurity. And all of us have moments like that. We don't mean to do it. And if you caught yourself doing it, it doesn't mean that you're done and God's pushing you off the cliff into hell. It means you just need to examine oneself and talk to the Lord about it. Amen? And ask him to forgive you if you feel that is something you need to do. I think it should be appropriate if you're not telling the truth. And ask God to set you free from that. Amen? Because we are complete in Christ. God has you here for a reason and a purpose. And he may not want you to be in that church of 3,000 because maybe he wants you to be in that church of 20 or 200 or whatever size for a reason because you have the gifts that God wants to plug into that place. Amen. Now that's for somebody today. I don't know who, but that's for you. You may be feeling insignificant at work, but the job that you're doing, you're reaching people. I know I've heard your stories of other people that only you can reach. Amen. I remember sharing with LaDonna one time, and I said, you know, I was laughing about it, and I said, you know, why is it that every church I'm at that I wind up wearing a carpenter's belt and doing stuff? And my, it's my dad's fault. You know, I, I, I'm, and, and, she, and she goes, because that's your giftedness, and that's what God wants you to do. Don't complain about the gifts that God has given you. Use them in balance. In balance. Notice I said in balance. If I, if I do too much carpentry, then I'm not going to do study and prayer. If I, do, if I don't help with carpentry, car, some carpentry stuff, maybe somebody else won't feel like it needs to be done. Are you understanding? The balance. The balance. So the fourth, the fourth as I told you, the conceited lie is, is one that where we have a tendency to brag and exaggerate. The fifth, excuse me, the, that was the third one. The fourth one is the calculated lie. I'll slow down a little bit. Getting like Perry Stone, going too fast. The calculated lie is very interesting because it's a choice of untruth being told, and it's calculated. We, we calculate it, and we add it up. This is used to manipulate other people. It's used to manipulate other people. This lie is motivated by greed and selfishness. They want more, or they want to be able to protect oneself. I'm used to getting my own way, and I want it this way, so if I calculate a few half-truths, I'll be able to control the situation or the event that's taking place or the issue, and I won't make me look so bad or uh, whatever the circumstance is. We calculate that in our minds sometimes. And we have to be careful not to do that because no matter what the circumstance or the issue, truth will truly set everyone in the room free. It'll set them all free because then everybody knows what's really going on. They can process it. And they may get angry at first, but over time, that anger will subside if love that conquers all is exercised. Amen. Are you with me so far, church? So the calculated lie has to be very careful because a lot of times that's where we start reasoning to ourselves that it's okay. The last one is called the convenient lie. The convenient. Now, this is the one that we say is done because it takes too much effort to tell the truth. We're busy. We're tired. It takes energy to tell the truth, so we slough it off, and we just go with, okay, well, this is what I'm going to say. This is the one that is told in social events. Someone comes up to you, and there's people around, hey, you want to come to this party, or do you want to come to this thing? And, oh, I, you know, I'm not sure, and just tell them the truth. I, I really just don't want to go. I got something going on. I really want to go home. I'm tired. I want to be with my family. Amen. I remember I've caught myself doing that too. And, and I've, you know, I get invited to a lot of things and, and I'm flattered by that, but there's times I really just don't want to call. I want to be at home with, with her. She's good company. 
And, and sometimes I just want to be at home, or sometimes I'm just tired. Now, there's other times I need to go, and I have to go, and it's required that I go. You know what I'm talking about, work, stuff that we need to be at, right? Amen. This Tuesday, I'm going to go to a, to a council meeting with all of the pastors or sectional council, and we're going to vote Mike Neff in as the presbyter, and he's not going to pay, get paid nothing to do it. I'm all for that. <laughs> and I give him a hard time about that, but he's a wonderful man, and, and we're praying for him. But the convenient lie is one that we say, I don't want to go to this situation, or I don't want to offend anybody, I don't want to hurt your feelings, or I don't really like you, but I'm not going to tell you, so I'm going to say something convenient to ease the pain of the truth. Are you, are you getting this, church? You can pick up your rocks anytime. We say these things because we convince ourselves it's okay. But can I warn you, church, that if we're not careful, we will say these little convenient lies and then we'll get in a habit of it. And then one convenient lie turns out to be one big lie. There's really no measurement in it. Truth is truth and untruth is untruth. And we need to, to ask ourselves this question. Am I being honest with myself Am I being honest with God? Because if you're honest with yourself, God will reveal things to you. And it may be painful at first, but as you, can, as you begin to become aware of it, it'll become easier for you to do the other things that God wants you to do. Amen. If you don't want to do something, I have more respect for someone who will come to me and say, Pastor, I got my feelings hurt. Oh, how? Okay, here it comes. All right, let's talk about it. But I would rather them come to me right up front and just tell me. I'll do what I can to fix it. I can't do anything about the past, but I'll do everything about the future. If I'm getting on your nerves in the way I'm I'm turning my head and I'm not listening to you or I walked away from you, I'm sorry, I apologize. I'll work on that. Sometimes I get busy and I don't think about what I'm doing with my body language. You know what I'm talking about or or something that's happened, but I would rather you tell me so I can do what I can to help. Amen. Let's talk about this. Let's communicate like born-again believers. Amen. So how do, what do we do about all the lies? There's four things in God's word that shares with us and tells us how to live truth in an untruthful world. First one is this. Tell the truth completely. Tell the truth completely. Proverbs 10.10 says this. People who wink at wrong cause trouble. What do you think that means? Hmm. Winking at sin maybe or turning the other cheek or turning away from it and not dealing with it. We must deal with things that are uncomfortable and you will find that it is much easier not to bury your head in the sand, but to bring it out and look at it in the eye. And if you are fearful, bring someone with you, set you down and help you talk through the issue or go to your boss or whatever it may be. I've had to do it in my life many times and nobody likes to do it, especially when you have to be honest with yourself and the Lord. Because you know he knows everything anyways. Amen? He does. He knows everything anyways. So why not just share it with him and be honest so he sees that you're being honest. Amen? So tell the truth completely because this is referring to people who conceal wrong and turn the other way. And they don't completely tell or reveal the truth when confronted about it. It causes resentment, mistrust, and superficiality because in all relationships... Trust is the one word that must be built upon in order to have a relationship. Amen. Because all of us in this room have little intricacies about us and little, little details and little fallacies. And we can go on and on and on and on and on about that. But all of us in this room have strengths and all of us in this room have ability and intelligence and things that we can do to complement others around us and ourselves and the kingdom of God. Imagine how much better that can be when you are truthful about everything that you do. People will notice it and people will see it. So not completely telling the truth, you dishonestly face issues in your life as they present themselves and then they'll explode or erode. Have you ever seen anything erode? It's a really sad thing. It was once a beautiful thing and it just was neglected and then it erodes and then it comes to the point you can't even restore it. But praise God, lives can be restored. People can be restored no matter how bad it gets. Amen to that. Proverbs 28, 23 says, In the end, people appreciate honest criticism more than flattery. I'm going to say that one more time. Proverbs 28, 23 says, 
in the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. Now, that's not the King James Version. That's another version. But King James is basically saying the same thing. People would rather have you go to them and be honest than to try to flirt around with them and and lay compliments that you really don't mean. Because you're not being honest. That doesn't mean you have to be brutal about it or be mean or cruel about it. But just, just be honest with them. And I know that's scary, but it's a, a whole lot easier. People would rather you be that way. And you will find something out about that person that you probably didn't know before. Amen. Tell the truth completely. Amen. Second thing is in God's word and practicing truth is tell the truth consistently. Tell the truth consistently. Being honest 80% of the time is not integrity or having good character. No, it's 100%. It's like the little boy who cried wolf too many times, and then when he really cried wolf, nobody believed him anymore. Why? Because he cried wolf too many times, pulled the fire alarm too much, and made everybody rush out and cause the fire department to come out, and when the real fire hit, they didn't show up. You know the story. So, they may be telling you 80% of the time that what is, what is truthful, but... What if 20% of the time they're giving you the untruth? Where does the 20 and the 80 fit together? Are they telling me truth or not? You don't know. And you don't know if they're being truthful with you or not. So if you're inconsistent with your words, it will reflect in your life and it will reflect who you are. Now, this is a small community. And this is something that I've, I've lived in small communities before, but, but I've never lived in a community quite like Hannibal is very unique. Because what I have found out really quick, you cannot disappear in the crowd like you can in Quincy. Quincy, you know, you can go over there and just kind of lose yourself in the flow ocean of people. Quincy, it's like, were you at Walmart the other day? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was watching. I mean, you can't hide in Hannibal. Everybody knows everybody, and they're related to everybody. If they're not related to them, they're a friend of a friend who knows the friend. Come on, let's just talk just exactly the way it is. So, you know, if God ain't watching you, Hannibal is. (laughs) Now, you're laughing because you know it's true. Okay, so that ought to put some accountability in your spirit. Amen? If people are watching you that closely and your laughter is an indication that you are confirming what I just said, then people are watching First Assembly of God. And they're watching you as a born-again believer to see if there's salt within the person, if you've got any salt, if you're real or not. Amen. Now, are you going to, if you admit to your faults, you admit to your shortcomings and your problems, hey, welcome to the club. We all got that. Just be honest with yourself. Be consistent. Amen. Think about that for a moment, if you would, because if you're having trouble with others regarding your inconsistencies, meaning truth is not coming out of you on a steady basis, then you will need to examine yourself and ask God to help you. And he will. He will. He'll do it. Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright will guide them. Did you hear that? The integrity, character, of the upright, those who have right standing with God, will be guided by God to be able to get the things done in their lives, like the right job, the right spouse on all those things. Do we make mistakes? Sure we do. But God can cover those. Scripture tells us that. So be a person that can... Be relied upon. Words of truth will reveal if you are honest or not. What kind of jokes do you tell? What kind of jokes do you laugh at? Just think about that. And only that's something that you have to work out between you and the Lord. Because different people get offended by different things. Pastor, are you saying it's okay? I'm not saying anything. I'm saying work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let the Lord speak to you. And if you're feeling uneasy about something, that's God speaking to you. Amen? Dishonesty destroys because you have to remember all the lies that you told. And then then when you tell one person, that's not too bad. But then you tell two, two turns to four, and then it multiplies on from there. And again, that Hannibal factor, you know, kicks in. And then you got to be able to remember what they saw you do. And then that's got to line up with what you said you did. And then you've got to come up with another lie to be able to have the two fit together and it look good. That's a lot of work. 
You know, that's a lot of work. I don't want to have to work at being something I'm not. I'd rather just be me and say, yeah, I was doing this and I did that over there. And this is what I'm working on right now. And just let it all out. Amen. You don't have to tell your life on Facebook. Like, you know, <laughs> we won't even go there. But, but you know what I'm talking about. You don't have to tell your life to everybody. But tell your life to God. Let him help you. And then if you find someone close to you that you trust, tell them and share it with them. And, and, and if you're a couple, and you, there's, there's places and people that can help you. And if you find another friend that, that can help you, that's fine. But, you know, there again, that's a whole other sermon, a whole other story. Careful who you trust your intimate information with. Be careful who you share your intimate information with. I'll just leave it at that. Proverbs 13.7 says this. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Amen. Brings health. What is that saying? That means somebody that you can rely on and somebody that can be trusted brings good things even when it's a hard situation. You ever had somebody walk into a situation where there was a confrontation or an issue or whether it's at work and there was a good manager who really knew how to work with people and they knew how to see both sides and they was able to negotiate without both parties losing. There was a little bit of swallowing going on, but after that took place and and the manager did not attack the person, they attacked the problem. That's good management, amen? Why? Because they did what we're talking about in Scripture. They, They were doing it consistently and they got good at it. You do anything consistently, you get good at it. Amen? Third thing, living in truth, is tell the truth lovingly. All of us need to read that one about three times. Tell the truth lovingly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. The earlier part of that verse tells us, but speaking the truth in love. We have to be careful not to use the truth as a club to beat people over the head with truth. Remember the story that I said earlier about the guy with the cannon and the facts and the reasons and the logic trying to get... Sure, he might be right, but if that person's emotions are damaged, they're going to close themselves off to any kind of truth. Love truly conquers all. And we all know this, but we need to be reminded every once in a while. People change easier and faster when you speak in truth in the spirit of love. I've had people come up to me in this church... And I don't mind saying this. And they said, Pastor, you know, there's something you might want to consider. And they've told me something that I needed to hear. And it kind of, ooh, I felt it. You know, it was a little, but it wasn't bad. It was a prick. And I was like, ah, okay. Yeah, that's a character flaw I got. Okay, all right. But the way they said it, it went in pretty easy. And it came out just as easy. Are you with me? They didn't attack me. They didn't say I was bad. They didn't say anything was wrong. They just said, this is something that will make you aware of. And, I, and I, when I walked away from that, I was like, I, I'm going to work on that. I, I'm going to work on that and try to improve. I'm, I'm going to be aware of that. I'm not going to worry about pleasing everybody because I won't. I'll go nuts trying to do that. But it was something I realized that was brought to me. And I was like, wow, okay, I get it. I get it. Are you with me on that one, church? A little flag pops up and the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, they're right. Not all the time, because if you try to do everything that everybody tells you, you're going to have 50,000 flags and you're going to go nuts. But, you know, once in a while, the Holy Spirit will say, yep, that's head on the nail. That's, that, you've heard that several times. What are you going to do about it? Hello? Speak the truth, love me. Because when people receive truth without love, they perceive it as an attack. And then they, they're going to put up their defense walls, and they're going to listen to any truth because they feel like they're being attacked. Speaking the truth is an art, and it takes practice. Do you think Jesus would take the word of God and sharply quote it at people and be really hard? He only did that a few times when it was called for at the moment against people who were being very ugly, and he gave them more than one chance. You know who I'm talking about, the Pharisees. And he rebuked them, and they were the religious people. But most of the time, almost every time when he was dealing with the common folk, and they were having shortcomings and problems in their life, he would lovingly talk to them, give them time to process the story, and he would give scriptures, and then he would love them unconditionally. And most of the time, the person either sooner or later would make a conversion because they processed what he said, and he approached it with love. Amen. 
He didn't even, and he had the right to take out the Pharisees if he wanted to. He could have quoted so many things to them and put them down. But he allowed them to have their way because he had one thing on his mind. I got a mission and I got to get it done. Amen. And so he learned to tune that out because this is what the enemy is going to do to you because he's tried to do it to me many times. I've got to do this. I've got work to do. I've got that to do. I've got a schedule to do. I've got all this to do. And the love just kind of squeezes down and then leaks out and it's gone. Anybody ever experienced that? And the Lord's like, okay, so what's truth today? Yeah, you're doing great work, but where's the love? Amen. And sometimes you have to drop everything you're doing to get that love back into your heart. So how do we know if I'm speaking truth in love? Are you trying to change things to make it easier for you? Or are you trying to change things to make it easier for them? Or are you trying to change things for God? Because sometimes you will have to speak the truth in love and it's going to be really tough. Other times you're going to have to speak the truth in love and all the tough's going to be on you. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? All the tough stuff's going to be on you and you're going to have to accept things you don't want to accept. And it may not even be your fault, but in order for love to prevail, you're going to have to continue that love. It's hard to do. But you truly can do all things through who? Christ who strengthens you. Amen. All of us struggle from time to time due to our impatience, frustration, and the sense of being right. Amen. And I'm not talking about conflict here, but I'm talking about speaking truth. How many of you ever had somebody speak truth to you? You knew they were right, but you didn't want to let on that they were right. And it penetrated you like a hot iron. And your body just said, brick time. And you're putting up the wall. And other times, they spoke the truth and it penetrated that wall, got into your spirit. And you're just like... And then the preacher preaches on it, and then the songs are on it, and, and I've had that happen to me before. Gone to a district council, gone, and been an associate pastor in churches, and I'm walking through, yeah, praise God, hallelujah, I'm doing great, you know, and there's that little voice way tucked into file 13, and then all of a sudden it comes up to the surface because something was preached on or talked on or sung about, and the Holy Spirit says, it's truth time, and we're going to bring this out, and you're just like, oh. And then you begin to weep or you begin to feel a little guilty. And it's not that God is trying to beat you up. God's trying to get you to deal with it. Deal with this in your life. And the reason you feel uncomfortable is, and the reason I'm preaching this church is not to make you feel bad. It's to make us all aware that we all have the potential to do these things if we're not careful. We all have the potential. But at the same time, we all have the potential to love one another unconditionally and win people in this community. Amen? Each and every one. Last point, I'm wrapping this up. Finally, the last thing the Word tells us is tell the truth tactfully. I, I, I'm going to have to say, trying to <clears throat> try to get a hold of myself, this church, you've got this one down. This church has that down. I'm not saying all of you are perfect, but this church, this is what keeps LaDonna and I here. You guys know how to love people. You know how to love us. I brag on, that's one thing I could say truthful about. I know some pastors look at me like, oh, come on. I'm like, no, I promise you, my church loves me. Even when I blow it, they still love me. And, and I tell them that because, you know, I, I got to do the same thing for them. And they see me on my bad days. Rocky Allen knows. He's seen me in my bad days. He's been working with me for about a month now. He knows me. He's seen me having good days, bad days, too many coffee days. I have those days. You have those days. And that's where we have to be tactful. Amen. And just admit, I'm having a tough day. I'm having a tight day. I'm having a busy day. Can you just can you give me a minute? And church, people, I've heard people say this over and over and over, and that's what's going to win them is when they come through those doors and they sit in this pew or they come to Mended Hearts or they come to an event and you really make them feel loved and accepted at that very first impression you give them, that is using the right tactfulness. Amen. That is using the right tactfulness. And I'm going to cover this a little bit further and then we're going to wrap this up. Whenever you have to share a tough truth, it's never deception or a half-truth. And this is where the brass tacks hits it, right here. 
Using the right time and the right method, sharing a tough truth is as important as one receiving it and hearing it. The right time, the right place, and the right moment. Amen? I remember when I was a young pastor, I married somebody in a church, and I didn't get the other pastor's permission. I had no clue. The pastor waited until the ceremony was over, called me the next day, asked me to visit with him, and I'm like, is everything okay? He goes, well, you know... I think what you did was great, and you really blessed that couple, but you forgot to call me, and that's kind of important to do that. And I was like, ooh, nobody told me that. I didn't know. Thank you. You know, I felt embarrassed, and I felt bad, and he goes, it's okay. That man waited for the right time, the right moment, and the right place. And he told me, and I was a young minister. I didn't know, and he told me, and he saved face with me. He didn't embarrass me. He didn't hurt me. He taught me. Because he told me something that was very true. It was his church. And I should have asked his permission. And I walked away from that going, wow, he sure was easy on me. I'm never going to do that again. Amen. Praise God. So wait for the right time, the right place, and the right person. Sometimes it's not always the right time to approach somebody immediately or personally. Immediately, they need space. How many of you need space? Only two people. Okay, that's pretty good. You need space because your emotions are kicking in and they're in high gear and it takes a while to get it down into first again, yeah? Yes, it does. Why? We're all human, right? Sometimes you don't need to go, you need to not go to somebody personally. What do you mean by personally, Pastor? I'm going to read this direct from my notes to get this straight. What you mean, Pastor, is this. I mean something, sometimes we are to do things carefully and it requires permission from the other person. Before you start diving into their life or their problem. Now, don't get your rocks out. This is what society calls boundaries. And, and folks, we have to all be careful of this. We all mean well. Don't, don't misinterpret this. But being sensitive to boundaries of others and wait for the right time at the right place. And sometimes you may not even be that person. There's times I've had to back off and somebody else speaking to somebody else's life. And I heard a minister say it to me like this, and I'll never forget it. Let the problem come to you. Don't go to it. And I thought, what does that mean? And after I went to it so many times, and I kept figuring out why I kept causing stuff, if it comes to you, then you can deal with it. But if you go to it too quick, then you have more it's running all over the place. And then you got more than you want to handle. Amen? And then you find yourself tempted not to tell the truth to be able to put out all those fires. Are you following me, church? I'm going to have to ask Becca to come this morning, if she would. And while she's stepping forward, allow the Holy Spirit to use common sense before you approach somebody. And this is, church, when I'm speaking these things, I'm not speaking at just one person or, or, or all of you. I'm speaking at me, too. When I began to write this sermon, I began to repent. And I began to ask the Lord to help me to remember to be tactful. Help me to remember not to attack the problem or the person. Help me to remember to use love. Help me to be consistent. Lord, help me to do these things that you're calling me to do and help me to do it completely so I don't forget. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says this. Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword. Thoughtless words. But wisely spoken words can heal. When you're sharing the truth tactfully, know that your words will make or break your attempt in telling the truth. Your words will make or break the truth that's about to be shared shared with them. If you're not tactful, it'll make or break it. Jesus knew exactly when to say it and how to say it. Now, we're not Jesus, but we're trying to be Jesus-like. That's called Christianity, Christ-like. You know when the Holy Spirit's tapping on you. Ask Him to do so. Amen? You can either hurt people or heal them. You could develop them or destroy them. You can build them up or you can tear them down. When you speak the truth tactfully, you learn how to make a point without making an enemy. Amen? Proverbs 16, 23 says this, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Learning to his lips. There's more that I could say, but I don't want to say it. I think I've said enough. 
The only way that we're going to develop people in Christ is every person that comes through those doors, those doors or those doors or at an event or in your home at a connection group, out in your workplace, they're going to have falseness about them because they don't know Christ. They're going to have shortcomings. They're going to have weaknesses. And we're not here to fix them. We're here to love them and tell them the truth at the right place, at the right time, at the right moment. Amen. I can look through the things in my life and the people that went to me in love and told, told me the complete truth and they told it to me all consistent, all these things that I'm sharing with you, especially the tactful part and the loving part. Those are the people, and there's only, a, I can count on this many of my hand. Those are the ones that their teachings have stuck in my mind and in my heart. They didn't attack me. They didn't hurt me. They told me the right way, and I knew they were right. And I was like, wow, I want to be like that. I want to do that. I want to be like them. I want to do what they're saying, not because they're God, but because they've learned something that I haven't learned yet. I want to be like that. I want to learn that. And they're the, I respected them. There was a pastor that I served in a few years, many years back now. It's been more than a decade in very large church, very large, 1,200 plus. And I still practice the things that he told me simply because he knew how to tell me. And he did it the right way. And I was like, wow. And I saw his weaknesses. I saw him. And the weaknesses didn't outweigh the way he would just love you and, and tell you. So I would like for us to stand this morning. Maybe you're a person that uh, been, you've been inconsistent. Maybe, maybe you've been incomplete. Maybe you've been unloving. Maybe you've been not so tactful and you didn't mean to, but it just happened. I'm going to say a simple prayer. I'm going to pray this with you. I know the Holy Spirit's touching on your hearts. I know he is. I can sense it right now. Some of you's heart, your hearts are getting touched right this minute. So I'm going to ask you to do this. If you want to come to the front, these altars are open. Does not mean that when you come to the altar that you're just a terrible liar on your way to hell. It means that you've got some areas in your life that you're asking God to help you with. Let's be honest about that. Amen. This altar is for anyone who comes. Maybe you've been inconsistent. Maybe you've been untactful. Maybe you've been unloving. But as I begin to pray this prayer, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Don't resist. Don't say no to him. Don't say no to the Lord. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we, we, we talk about the word of God. Lord, we want to live the word of God. Father, we want to be the word of God. I pray that you'll forgive me. As a pastor, if I've been untruthful, if I've curved it or swerved it or I've bent the rules, I pray that you'll forgive me in Jesus' name. Help me to be truthful. Help me to say it, live it, do it, and know it to the best of my ability. I pray that you'll touch each and every person in this building. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, people are praying, hands are raised, people are coming to the front. Time to be honest with God and to be honest with yourself. Amen. Would you remain in prayer just for a few more minutes, church? Just for a few more minutes.